Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. The reading for today is Revelations 21, 1 through 6. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the older order of things has passed away. He who, has, who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. This is the word of God. Good morning, church. From my childhood, one of the greatest uh, things that formed me was Saturday Night Live. Did anyone else, else grow up watching that? Yeah. I mean, as a child, I remember on Saturday evenings, the news would be winding down. It'd be getting close to 1030, and I would get really still on the couch, believing if, if I don't move, maybe my parents won't turn the channel, and we'll watch the beginning of Saturday Night Live. Uh, I loved it. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that still. There was a period of Saturday Night Live where, uh, that I loved, that the sketches were very predictable. They were very kind of simple. It was the same premise every time, but it still was hilarious. Uh, the sketches were, were like they would put someone who had some sort of problem in a social setting and just watch everything else around them fall apart. So it started off with Dana Carvey. He was massive head wound Harry. Anyone remember that? Yeah? It was just a simple, stupid sketch, but it was so funny. And after that was uh, Mr. No Death Perception, who uh, had a hard time knowing, like, if he was gossiping about the person literally right next to him, or he'd pass the food, he'd physically throw it down. I mean, I just remember thinking it was so funny. But one of my favorites uh, was Debbie Downer. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, the premise is very simple. Over and over again, she would be in a situation where people would be enjoying themselves, being Having, having a great time, then all of a sudden, Debbie would interject some sort of pessimistic point of view, and it would just be like a nosedive for the conversation. Everything would fall apart, and there would always be that pathetic sound in the background after that of womp, womp. <laughs> like I, I, and we, we know people like this who will be like, golly, a real Debbie Downer. In the pantheon of Christmas carols and Christmas music, there is only a few songs that have a somewhat a sad undertone. A couple songs that are written in minor key. Uh, they are, anyone? Anyone know a song that's written in minor key? Christmas carol, Christmas song? 
Yes, yes, we have three of them. What child is this? We three kings, and then the Debbie Downer of them all, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Like, you've never heard anyone say, oh, that's my favorite. Oh, I love that one. No, it's this kind of, like, at the very end of that song, you kind of expect a wah, wah. It's just this kind of sad undertone to it. But if we're honest, especially in 2020, not all of this season fits for a major key. There is, especially in this year, there is aspects to the season that is suitable for a minor key. You know, it's the chair at the table this season that used to be filled with a loved one that's not there anymore. It's looking back at this year and thinking about every plan that fell apart, dreams that we had that just did, never happened, the amount of suffering that we had um, all around us. We, this is a part of our year. Um, and it, it's, it matches more of a minor key for our life. Um, a friend of mine showed me a picture. They have an ornament for each year. For 2020, the ornament was a dumpster fire. <laughs> because it's just perfect, right? Though the American Christmas season is this onslaught of over and over again, joyous, delightful moments, jam-packed with tinsel and, and perfection, our season of Advent invites us into a different way of looking at life, a different way of experiencing God. Not only in the the moments of delight, but also the minor key moments of our days. For Advent is a time of waiting. It's a time of emptiness. It's a time where we remember our longings. And so, yes, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, maybe is the perfect song for this season. When we not only... uh, get to rehearse the Christmas story, not how great it is, but we also remember that we need Jesus to come. We need Jesus to arrive in the midst of our longings and our, and our sorrow. We need Jesus to make good on the promise that he shared in Revelation, that he will come and make all things new. The book of Revelation is the very end of our scripture. The writer of Revelation, John, Uh, is writing down a series of visions that he has. And one of the visions that he has, which we heard Joel uh, read to us, is that this is the way it's going to end. It's like this vision of this beautiful city that was adorned with such beauty. It was much like a bride being prepared for her wedding day to meet her beloved. And this this city is coming, coming down. And John sees this vision and with it he hears a declaration this is what we we heard and i heard a loud voice from the throne saying look god's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and god himself will be with them and be their god he will wipe away every tear from their eyes there'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away that's ultimately what our longing comes down to is there is an order to our life in our world today that our hearts were not created for like we weren't we weren't created for the order in which we're experiencing this and so jesus is making this promise that there will be a day in which you will be uh, alive in a place that suits the
the order in which you've been created. You know, in many ways, what Jesus did, Jesus brought forth a new kingdom. You could call that a new order. God, Jesus brought forth an order to our world that that had a way of reconciling and restoring the way life was meant to be. And then in this vision, John hears actually Jesus speak, and he makes this astounding promise. Jesus, the one who is seated on the throne, then declares, I am making all things new. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Jesus makes this promise of renewal, of redemption, where things feel empty, where there's pain and loss, Jesus says, I'm going to make that new. And then in this vision, Jesus then turns to John and says, it is done, it's finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Alpha and Omega is, uh, you know, the first, obviously, is the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. And so Jesus is saying, I am the beginning, I am. I'm in the end. Like, it's kind of a weird name for Jesus. It's kind of a weird name for someone to call themselves, I'm the beginning and I'm the end. What do these cryptic words mean? What was Jesus trying to get to? God is the one who begins it all and God will be the one in the end. Does it mean that Jesus was there at the beginning of all creation and will be the one who initiates the conclusion of everything, the fullest of, of all chapters? Yes, I think that's what Jesus was intending. But I also think perhaps that Jesus was trying to say something more for you and I. Because when we think about the book of Revelation, we might just think it's some, some, a, a weird book that many of us don't want to study because we don't know what to do with it. Like it's a little bit scary. I remember as a child thinking it was scary. And uh, so when we read the book of Revelation, we can just think it's just fodder for end of times kind of paranoia. And it doesn't have much to do with our life here today. But I think these promises were meant not just for us to think maybe one day, far day from here. But it all, all, these promises were for us, for here and now. The book of Revelation was actually written to a, a community that was going through persecutions. Going through a lot of suffering. And I believe Jesus was giving them hope. Not just a, sorry, life is going to be awful, but one day I'm going to make it better. These words were meant to find people in the present moment, to give them hope, to find, find uh, healing in the midst of suffering. Or in the words of Revelation, what Jesus was trying to say is, I'm not only who was, but I am who is, and I am the one who is to come. So the Alpha and the Omega is actually here with us today. And so for many of us, we're experiencing beginnings and endings in our life. And Jesus is the God of every beginning in your life. Jesus is the God of every ending as well. In the Christmas story, one of the most important aspects that we find is we see such a clear picture of God's passion to be with humanity, to be present. Uh, an author who was tragically taken way too early, Rachel Held Evans, she wrote about the passion that God had to be with us. In her words, she didn't choose the words incarnation, although that's, that easily could be the, the way that we talk about it. But she talked about one of the central themes of all scripture is that God stoops. 
Here's a, a beautiful quote from her. From walking with Adam and Eve through the Garden of Eden to traveling with the liberated Hebrew slaves in a, pe- in a pillar of cloud and fire to slipping into flesh and eating, laughing, suffering, healing, weeping, and dying among us as a part of humanity, the God of Scripture stoops and stoops and stoops and stoops. At the very heart of the gospel message is the story of a God who stoops to the point of death on a cross, dignified or not, believable or not, Ours is a God perpetually on bended knee doing everything it takes to convince stubborn and petulant children that they are seen and loved. This is who God is. This is what God does. On Christmas, we remember how the great Alpha and Omega drew near. As we peer into the manger, what we can see is God's unmistakable, never-ending passion to be close to us, to be with you. This is all throughout the Christmas story. We hear it when, when the, uh, the angel, uh, when God speaks to Joseph in a dream and, and tells, uh, tells Joseph that, that Mary is going to be pregnant and that this child's name actually should be called Emmanuel because it means that God is with us. We see it in John's gospel when, uh, when John speaks of Jesus' birth with these words, in the beginning, in the alpha, if you will, was the word, being Jesus. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And it's so beautiful and powerful that what we see of Jesus' beginning, that alpha of his own earthly life, we see in Revelation 21 and the omega, in that heavenly refrain that, look, God's dwelling place is among the people. This is Jesus' passion from the beginning and will be to the end, is that God is a God who is with us. We see that in the Christmas story and we see it here in Revelation. But I'm curious to what degree we actually believe that God has a passion to be with you. That same passion that sent Jesus to be here among us 2,000 years ago. That's the same passion that God has to be involved in every moment of your life. Every detail so that you might remember that God is near. Stooping in unexpected ways to be close to us. But this stooping is not only Jesus' birth, that Jesus continued throughout all of his life to draw near to humanity, especially those who felt like God never could draw close. What we see, this was even compelled him in his death to continue to stoop. We find this over and over again throughout the Christmas story that this is what Jesus was all about, even from the beginning, that his death was not a surprise. If you were to look at the Christmas story, there's oftentimes dark... uh, dark kind of moments there that are foreshadowing Jesus' death. In the Alpha, there was already the knowing of the Omega. There was the murderous threats that Herod had over this coming king. We find the angel warning Mary with this beautiful declaration of her, her pregnancy that there one day will be a sword that's going to pierce her own soul. Even in the, in the Magi's gift, We have gold and frankincense, but there's also the gift of myrrh. 
And scholars often say that that myrrh is mostly used in embalming a body. What an odd gift it brings to a baby shower. But it was always just the fact that this was always known of what Jesus was going to be about. The way in which he would stoop to be close to humanity, even in his death. We remember this even in John's words. The first words that John said when he saw Jesus was, Behold, here is the what of God? The Lamb. The Lamb of God which takes away every sin of the world. A lamb in that culture was used to be a sacrificial offering. Blameless, something blameless would be taken and killed so, so that the others could be set free. And so we look at our, our painting, our illustration today with this in mind. What do we see here? Just take a moment and take a look at this painting. What we find in it is uh, three depictions. Sorry if y'all can't see it from over here. Uh, three pictures. The top one over the eye says, who was? The middle one, who is and is and is to come on the bottom. What we see here is a picture of a lamb, blameless. We see the alpha, the omega. We see the sacrificial nature of Jesus' life, perhaps. And how from the very beginning, Jesus came to be with us, even to die alongside of uh, criminals, sinners, to let us know that we, there will never be a time where we will be apart from God. His birth and his death, the Alpha and the Omega. And this is how Jesus would end. But we know it wasn't the ending. We know that uh, the Alpha and the Omega was much greater than we expected I was struck by something as I read Revelation 21 this past week, that Jesus actually repeats something that he said on the cross in the reading that we heard. Did anyone pick up on it? Jesus said the same words in Revelation 21 that he said upon the cross when he said, it's finished, it's done. What is finished? All the longings? All the heartache, the suffering that marks our life here and now is done. All the existential crises in our life that plagues us, every tear, all the death, the sorrow, the pain, those tragic diagnoses that we hear, the ruined dreams, all will come to an end for the old order of things will pass away. They pass away because Jesus is again with humanity. God's dwelling place will be among his people. It will be finished. And notice that Jesus didn't say, I am finished, because his work is just beginning. What was initiated on the cross will be met in full on that day where we meet with Christ. And for once and for all, we experience the conclusion of all that disordered things in life. And so here we are. We live between these two identical declarations of it is finished upon the cross, and the, the eventual culmination of the finished work of Jesus in Revelation 21. So what do we do between these two things? What are we called to do now in our season of Advent? Well, we do this. We remember 
as this candle of love is lit and it's for us, we remember that God is here, that God is with you. And the same God who was and is and is to come among all things has declared that his name is love. And that love is present for you. Whether you see it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not, what this means, this alpha and this omega, is that there will never be a time where God's love is not present for you. And the hope that we have in this season of Advent is that the love that we experience in part now, one day we will experience in all of its fullness. And so therefore, we praise and we worship the one who came to us in this season. And we do so in the major keys and we do so in the minor keys. So, come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. Amen.